So we saw last week, Titus 1 uh, ended with a, a warning against the false teachers and the culture that is not going to help with the uh, false teachers. It's interesting, a culture that is very ungodly, uh, false religions don't correct the real problems. Often they can magnify the problems or change the problems to go from, you remember Romans 1, the immoral, to just Romans 2. And Romans 2, getting immoral people to stop being immoral but still not trusting in Christ alone isn't really helping a culture. And uh, as much as the Jewish false teachers in Crete wanted to change this culture from being liars and violent and lazy, it isn't isn't going to really help. And so false teaching and false doctrine doesn't help a culture. Um, and that's today with uh, 40 years ago, uh, 50 years ago, uh, with pop psychology uh, doesn't change a culture. And Christians that were involved in that, like a Dr. Dobson uh, and others that uh, use pop psychology and Christianized it, didn't really help uh, the self-esteem issues uh, of of that day. And now we're seeing today uh, the social justice stuff and other things isn't really helping uh, the culture like the gospel does. The gospel is the power of God. There is no substitute for the power of God. And it doesn't take all of us to change a culture. It takes the culture being submissive to Christ, and Christ changes the culture one person at a time mm. from the inside out. And this is what we're seeing in Titus, right? He starts with salvation. He goes with the godly men who have been saved and transformed. Those men are going to help you lead Titus and strengthen churches and fight against the false teaching and the culture that you're not in this by yourself, Titus. And so... He's going to go even broader than just the elders of Titus 1 and go after individual people in Titus 2. And I've heard it said this, this way, that Acts 2 isn't meant to be repeatable or what the local church needs to be about today, where we're expecting uh, the miraculous gifts of the Spirit and we're expected to speak in tongues draw crowds and 3,000 people get saved on a regular basis. <laughs> that we can't do again and again and again in a local church. So Acts 2 is descriptive, not we call it prescriptive, what we should be doing over and over again. It's not Acts 2 that we want to be about, it's Titus 2. Now, if we look at Titus 2 and say, is this repeatable on a weekly, yearly basis? instead of Acts 2, as a local church, we'd say, oh yeah, <laughs> we can't do Acts 2 again and again, but can we do Titus 2? If we say yes, then we, okay, then then what, what does it look like when we are a Titus 2 church, where we're replicating Titus 2, and we're helping other local churches to say, don't worry about Acts 2, <laughs> we can't go, can't go back there again. That was when the Holy Spirit first came, but can we do Titus 2? Oh, yeah. And my former church had a Titus 2 ministry. They called it a Titus 2 ministry. And uh, the pastor's wife was kind of 
was taking younger uh, women under her wing and spent a lot of time uh, with them. And it doesn't matter the size of the church. It doesn't matter if you've got four people, older helping younger. Yeah, simple. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk slowly and I'm going to slow way down in Titus now. And we're going to take probably two, three verses a week through Titus 2, because there's so much here. This is the heart of the book that's going to help us to understand what, what God wants us to, to learn to be a healthy church. I use the word healthy, and you probably have in your Bible a footnote, if you have an ESV Bible. If you don't, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll learn what the footnote is. But you'll see a word in verses 1, 9, 1, 13, 2, 1, 2, 2, and 2, 8. You see that word that is replicated um, five times in, in really just a short amount of time here. You see the word? Someone know the word? Sound doctrine. Sound. Okay, does someone? Okay, the, yeah, one nine and one thirteen. Two one, two two and two eight all right so sound is the word so someone have a footnote for that word and another translation of sound healthy healthy this is why i say titus is about a healthy church so anytime we have a theme of a book a smaller book's easier because you have less to look at and you're trying to come up with how to how to wrap our minds around what paul's getting at and when you have the same word repeated five times, and he's got concepts to try to add to that word, the word that we're, we're trying to define what Paul's doing is trying to help Titus to establish healthy churches. All right, so now that doesn't just work for Crete, because if we look at the island of Crete and say, everybody on this island is lazy, um, violent, and... Uh, what was the other word? Um, liars. D is our culture look like that today? <laughs> okay, so you guys that have lived decades longer than I have, has our culture in the 50s and 60s, when some of you were, were kids and teenagers, has the culture gotten better? Has it gotten more lazy, lying, violent? <laughs> Okay. Bad, bad. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Okay. You don't hear of too many people keeping their doors unlocked now because of lying and violence. You're afraid for your life. People carry mace uh, when you go to crowded places because wow. of violence. Um, lying, no one trusts anyone anymore. And, um, and this this affects the church and then lazy we have a church work day uh yeah i oh, got something else going on or hey can you help with this no i can't do that okay you're just sitting in the service can you come out and help do something else uh, and if you try to staff something in a local church a healthy church has an abundance of volunteers um where they are trustworthy and violence isn't something that we have to be concerned about in our church. Now we have 
looking to have security measures here at a church because we're in a violent culture. Um, so what is the solution to, and what is the healthiness? So I meant to bring in, I forgot, I, I, I was going to go last night to some rotted wood that I had in my, that I took off my deck. And before my graduation party that I hosted last year for my son, I replaced my deck and some of those boards were unhealthy. So if I held up a, a deck board that you would not really want to step on <laughs> and I held up a new piece of deck wood, you'd say, okay, give, given the choice, which one is healthy? Which one is sound? The word here is sound. You'd say, it's obvious. It's obvious that the one that is newer, that has no cracks in it, that isn't held together with paint <laughs> is healthy is sound it's worth stepping on and it's obvious what is not healthy and what makes it unhealthy well there's a number of things usually rot and it could be uh termites that have gotten in there or time uh rain uh moisture has has destroyed that wood and the fibers of the wood are and those the rotted wood usually is a lot lighter and I just had to help my neighbor with a, a tree that was rotted yesterday. And he's like, is this good for firewood? I said, is it, if it feels really light, like styrofoam, it's not good firewood. So we threw, we threw that stuff away and we kept a pile of firewood um, from that tree that we cut down yesterday. But the ants had gotten in it and destroyed the middle of the tree. So we know what is healthy and not healthy. You may look at your skin and say, Something is unhealthy about my skin. If you get a bug bite, which last week on, on vacation, one of my kids got a, a bug bite that is still visible more than a week later. You're like, eh, something is unhealthy about that red spot. Uh, some Another of my kids has poison ivy right now. And poison ivy on your skin is obviously sound, or not sound, healthy, unhealthy, it's unhealthy, okay? So we have a way of, of looking at a building, looking at wood, looking at skin, looking at a number of things. And when it comes to relationships and someone's personal life, there's a way to look and say, that is a healthy or unhealthy life, okay? And so when we do this and we evaluate constantly, we're going to look now with what Paul's trying to get Titus to look at and say, okay, you got to establish healthy churches. Starts with salvation, starts with godly leadership, and that leadership has to confront and, and um, rebuke those sharply who are contradicting sound faith, healthy faith. And so we're going to see that Titus isn't alone and that leadership that he's establishing isn't going to be the only godly people in a church. He says in Titus 2.1, but as for you, Titus, you're going to go opposite of the false teachers and the culture of verses 10 to 16. I want you to teach what accords with sound doctrine. Teach healthy doctrine. And he's going to define what that looks like in a life. So what does a life look like if someone is learning that's what doctrine is teaching. If someone is learning and growing as a Christian, what is it that we should see? All right. What is it that we have to 
notice in other people? And what do we have to notice in ourselves? What do we have to pass on to the next generation? Okay. And so the older helping the younger is, is the theme here of Titus uh, 2, 2 and following. And we're only going to get to verse two today. Okay. So the rest of our time, we're going to look at verse two and we're going to think about it and then try to apply it. All right. So here's, here's a healthy church is, has a healthy foundation of salvation, godly leaders uh, who are examples and they're healthy uh, spiritually you're going against a culture and you're constantly learning healthy doctrine. So the older men, who's older and who's younger? When it comes to Wednesday nights and we look out and we see a bunch of four to 11 year olds, there's two people usually that are older that are helping them. Pastor Ty and, or three, Pastor Ty and Jocelyn and, and Hudson. So you may not think of 19 and, and 20 somethings as being older, but it depends on the context, right? So you may feel older here, but if you go hang out with someone who's 95, mm -hmm. I, 95 is older than everybody here, okay? You feel, <laughs> and let's say that they are in a hospital bed and can't can't really help themselves and have to be served. You feel younger. Ah, I feel younger. I like hanging around people that are older because I feel younger. All right. So it's a relative term. It depends on who you're around. But anyone who is going to be an influencing in a in a healthy church, there's got to be some spiritual maturity here. Some. And we're going to use the words of Titus, godliness. There has to be godliness in a life that's going to flow out of that life to influence others. Okay. And in a healthy church, this, these interactions of older helping younger and influencing, I'm going to use the word influence a lot, is happening all the time. When we get together on a weekly basis, we're influencing each other. Now you can influence negatively or positively. And if you're influencing negatively, it's just like termites eating the wood, poison ivy on the skin. Uh, it's not a positive influence. And there are unhealthy churches that when they get together, this happens always in the it's grief to come to church. It's a chore. <laughs> it's unhealthy. It is dragging me down spiritually. So you don't like to come to church. But whenever you are built up in the areas that we'll see today, you're like, this is a healthy church. And I am more healthy spiritually as I hang out with these people at church. And it's not just influenced by the, the leader or the pastor or the, the Sunday school teacher. It is, this is happening. You're influencing each other um, this way. So the older men, this is all we're looking at is verse two. Older men, so Titus is teaching. The older men are to be. To be or not to be. <laughs> to, is this, this uh, is not um, just what you do. This is who you are. Okay. The gospel changes who you are. If you were growing up in Crete and in a rough neighborhood where everyone was a liar 
uh, uh, violent and lazy. And this is who you were. This is your life too. This is your neighborhood. This is your family. This is your cousins, your parents, your aunts and uncles, your grandparents, and you get saved. And you come to church and Titus and the leaders there are encouraging you, stop lying. <laughs> stop being violent. There is a better way to handle problems than with your fists or with angry speech. There is a better way to do life than sitting around expecting other people to serve you or living off of, we would say today, living off the government. There's a better way to live. Okay. So what is the solution? Older men are to be sober-minded this means sober it could also be translated uh with in, in regards to alcohol when someone is intoxicated they are not sober-minded they're not thinking straight it also is temperate or restrained or level-headed or stable how can we tell if someone is sober-minded they're thinking correctly okay they're not bizarre in their thought processes they don't come to conclusions that only make sense to them and everybody else is saying what were you thinking <laughs> what are you doing okay older men have to be and typically older men are this way okay sober minded next dignified Dignified, if you have a footnote or have a different translation, may be respectable or noble. It was said of the deacons in 1 Timothy 3 that they were to be this, same word, dignified. When you think of an older man and he comes in and he, just his presence can either be yeah, irreverent or not, not worthy of respect or just his presence is like here's a respectable man and i need to change what i'm doing because i'm in the presence of someone who is respectable but be mm -hmm. like the boss who is respected like the grandfather who is respected in the family like the spiritual leader in a church that is when he comes in he's respected that's the word dignified here Older men are to be this way, to think with a, a level head, to be respectable and noble. And then the next word is very similar to the sober-minded. And this word in 1 Timothy 3 is right next to um, this. And the elders are to be sober-minded and self-controlled. All right, so you see the word self-controlled there in verse 2. Sober-minded, dignified and self-controlled it's very similar it also could mean sensible or reasonable here is um, and you'll see the younger women and the younger men are both supposed to be this as well and the younger men this is the only thing that they're supposed to be okay so this must be a weakness that young men have <laughs> the primary weakness that young men have and also a weakness that young women have. We're talking about age here, not spiritual years. <clears throat> this is, I would say, influence. And so 
the the deacons in a church are to be dignified back in first timothy three same word and then right yeah saved a long time are they just old (laughs) do you know right so i would say both so if you're going to as a elder or a, a titus look for who's going to help you to establish healthy churches. I'm going to look for men that have these. I, 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 age doesn't mean as much as does, does the culture respect this person? Does the culture see this person as self-controlled and level-headed, not quick tempered, not given to his mind being controlled by alcohol. And if you think of our culture and Cretan culture, they are probably lazy liars and violent because alcohol is playing a, a part in that too. And today it's drugs. Today it's pornography. Today it's TV, YouTube, a lot of influences that are just promoting in music and concerts. And so someone who is respectable, sometimes if all of the older men in a church are not this way and the young men God wants to raise up and they are like this, then the young men have to help the older men, right? But it, typically in a culture where this is happening well, that the older men have realized that they haven't been self-controlled as a younger man and now they're being more self-controlled, that they were hot-headed and emotional as a young man, they're like, that got me in a lot of trouble. I've a lot of scars from that. And now they're more tempered where they were not respectable as a young man and avoided. And now they are, eh, (laughs) they're more dignified. Okay. So this is, this is somewhat age. I would say, I wouldn't say age has nothing to do with it, but it also is relative to what you'll see next. They are this way because they are Christians. The gospel has influenced their life. And they are to, let's see what the next, this is how they're supposed to act in the church and influence people. They are to be sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled. And then here's our word, healthy. Healthy in three areas. This is how they influence because of their, and I would say this is your platform on which you stand. Your character and my character is the platform on which I influence others. If I am not sober-minded, dignified, and self-controlled, my platform is a rotted deck that I'm going to fall through and no one's going to want to stand with me. Okay, No one's going to want to follow. This is not a healthy life. This is not a healthy church. If those kind of people are in leadership of the church, right? So and there, there's limited influence by position only, and that is not a leader that, that we want to follow. But it doesn't really matter the age as much as it is. These men are respected, thinking clearly, they're reasonable, and their life is showing it. And so they are healthy in these three areas. Now, these, are, these aren't uh, character, the next three things, as much as we want the influence of these godly men to influence us and those around us in these three ways. Healthy in faith, in love, and steadfastness. All right, so let's think through, and this is where we're going to slow down. All right, so what is healthy in faith look like? 
how would a godly man influence you to be healthy in faith? Someone who's going through a trial and seem to be just waiting on the Lord for mm -hmm. not trying to, not getting all upset and all, but just waiting on the Lord. Mm -hmm. That's to me is true faith. Good. Right. That's what my brother did. When I went to visit him, mm -hmm. <clears throat> he said, I'm just trusting the Lord and waiting for him to take me home. Okay. So we're hearing from these two ladies that godly men influence you in trusting. That's what faith is, right? So a godly man is, and we have to attach these together. These, this is the context. We can't just rip it out of context. So in context, the self-control and the dignity and the uh, sober mind are coming from a life that is healthy in trusting God. Okay, does that make sense? You see how these connect? Now you can have an ungodly life or an unsaved life where there is still a respectable gentleman who is kind and loving his family and faithful, but he's not going to cause you to trust God or trust Jesus as your savior. Or trust that even in the trials that we heard Sunday, that God is working all these things out and he is trustworthy even when we don't understand him. Okay. So a godly man is influencing other people to trust God. Next. Sound in faith and sound and healthy in love. All right. What does healthy in love look like? I, I forgot to mention this in the first. There are two, two dimensions here. Faith in God and faith in others. Love for God, love for others. And then the third thing is going to be steadfast or endurance, patience with God and with others. So we got the idea of, let's go back to faith in God. But how about faith in others? Look back with me at verse 15 of Titus 1. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and the unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but, but they deny him by their works. They're detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So when it comes to your relationship to God, you trust God, and you realize God's always up to something good. But the human dimension of this whenever we are pure whenever you are trust trusting god and you think i want people to trust me i want them people to see christ in me you expect there are to be some people in the world that are trustworthy now this is hard in a culture where everybody's a liar right but when people are saved by the grace of god and transformed they go from untrustworthy liars to trustworthy truth tellers. And if you don't trust the leadership here, you're going to have a hard time, which we talked about in Titus 1. You're going to have a hard time coming to church here. You're going to have a hard time believing anything I say. And it's like, yeah, 
you but you should see his life <laughs> he is not a trustworthy guy oh he may talk a good talk but when you are not pure it says there in verse 15 nothing is pure you think always someone's always out to get you when people come here and they are in a culture of distrust they come here and they look at us loving each other and they're like what's the catch what's going on here something's not right something's going on those those guys they dress up nice but i don't know what do they do with that money in the money box what do those guys do when they count in there like they they question everything because they just don't think that it's possible for a, a church culture to live above reproach and that's that's that can be expected in a culture where everybody's a liar and everybody is is violent and out to manipulate and and deceive but not so in a healthy church there is trusting in a healthy church so we're trusting other people and that's where the sound in faith that we believe people are trustworthy i believe pastor ty is trustworthy so when i go on vacation i'm like you got the word we believe John Sparkman and others that, that teach here are trustworthy, and we put them in a classroom expecting them to teach God's word because they're trustworthy, the men who count the offering. We don't give people when they first join our church, hey, why don't you go in there and count the offering? <laughs> and you guys laugh because that's obvious, right? The people that count offering are trustworthy. The people that are in the nursery are trustworthy, as much as we can discern. Now, yeah. people can deceive us, right? But as much as we can discern, uh, we want people to be, and we are going to be a trusting people because we expect people to trust us as our character is like Christ. So back to chapter two, verse two, someone who is sound in faith is trusting God and trusting others. And a godly older men are helping people to trust them and saying, you know what? There is some good. You may have been hurt before at another church, but every church isn't like that. Every dad or every older brother isn't abusive. Everybody isn't out to get you and take advantage of you and manipulate you. There are people that that love you, okay? And that's how they're ministering to you. So older men are doing this for a congregation. They're showing their godliness, they're helping the next generation and those around them to be sound, healthy in faith, and then in love. Love for God, love for others. Where's the passage that we would tell people to go if they're not sure what godly love looks like or how to define it? First Corinthians 13, right. So First Corinthians 13 is the place where you say, okay, what does love look like? Well, it's clearly defined there is it's patient, it's kind, doesn't seek its own, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It's not arrogant or rude. So all those characteristics of love is this older man who's thinking correctly, he's living out his faith in God, and he is loving God. He's growing in love for God, and he's growing in love for other people all right he is standing on this platform of character and as he is there he is learning the sound doctrine he is influencing the local church and those around him to be sound in faith 
to be healthy in faith, healthy in love, and then finally, healthy in steadfastness. I looked up this word. This isn't a word we use a lot, steadfast, but it also can mean endurance or patience. Someone who just keeps going. We admire, and here's here's where age does probably play into it. You look at someone who has endured a lot, and you're like, wow, after all you've gone through, you are still faithful. There would be guys that would come to our Bible college, and they didn't have the three points and the uh they had didn't have the three points uh perfectly in their sermon they didn't have the catching gripping keep you awake for chapel kind of message and we would friends uh, would sit down at lunch after chapel and just grill them and we don't know this guy but in introducing them this guy has been a pastor for 37 years in the same church like and we had a teacher one time say challenge us and say do not judge a man's ministry based on one sermon that didn't keep you awake or didn't keep your attention this guy has stayed in the same place for 37 years and he's still there (laughs) and he has a, a wife and kids that respect him and are and so this this man his his character is above reproach and if he didn't handle the word perfectly in one chapel service (laughs) you're arrogant and immature to um to not to not uh take what you can uh, from him in his life so to be steadfast to be endurance with god and with others you saw from psalm 77 a life that is steadfast with god but it seems like in psalm 77 that you heard sunday that eh, i don't think god's doing right here (laughs) there's some questionable things that if i was god i'd do things differently we arrogantly think and an older man who is sober-minded dignified and self-controlled is going to reign in those thoughts for himself and then he's going to influence other people to say, I don't know. <laughs> that lead, that path, that kind of thinking is going to lead you away from steadfastness and endurance and patience with God. God hasn't done us wrong. It may seem like God has done wrong, but we can never think that God is untrustworthy. Um, so go back to God and, and repent of your of your pride. So steadfastness to toward God and then steadfastness with others. Um, this is hard. Um, we are told other places to be patient with all people. Uh, I think it's in first first Thessalonians, but here older men are examples in their healthy steadfastness. So I looked up, there are things in nature that are healthy and how do we know they're healthy? They just keep growing. Most trees just keep growing. They don't ever stop growing. Now, our bodies stop growing height-wise. <laughs> um, and if someone keeps growing after 18, 19, they're probably unhealthy. They got some 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 disease that's causing their body to, to, to keep growing when it shouldn't. Um, but when it comes to uh, certain uh, plants, uh, certain snakes, uh, amphibians, they to be healthy is to keep growing. 
And so the largest of those animals are the, are the oldest because they just keep growing. As a Christian, we have to keep growing. Okay. We never can reach a level as a Christian and say, I've done it. <laughs> I've reached what? You've reached perfect Christ-likeness? Oh, no. Okay. You have to keep growing. And an older man, in this context, Titus is looking for them. He's getting them alongside of him and saying, thank you for being part of this church. You are an essential part of this church to help this church stay help, keep healthy, get healthy, stay healthy, and keep growing. And in, in our church, we have older men that look like this. They are sober-minded. They're dignified. They're self-controlled. When you're around them, they're going to increase your, help you to be healthy in trusting God, trusting others, loving God, loving others, and steadfast toward God and toward others. I'm going to give you a couple of things to think about here, and we can discuss this. Why is this important for a healthy church? Well, in the context of Titus 1 and 2, what we've learned so far, why are these men essential for a healthy church? Church will grow in the likeness of God. Okay. There are examples. There are examples? We got to follow if we don't have these. Okay. They'll bring unity. Bring unity. Good example. Something else? There are false teachers that are trying to insert wrong teaching. When you have this as your example in Titus 1, 5 to 9, you have leaders who are recognized leaders, and then you've got godly men in the church. When these godly men and the godly pastors, elders, are doing their job, false teachers are so, so opposite of these this, this life. You're like, okay, you are not a godly man because we have a godly example and we are following godly yeah. leaders and you're not it. It's good. All right, let me give you another question. Godly men lead godly homes and join other godly families to form a countercultural healthy church. Every healthy church is countercultural because the wide way leads to destruction and the narrow way leads to life. There's never been a Christian culture in any country and there never will be it may seem like we're a christian country but who is claiming christianity yeah. today two-thirds of our country is a christian country yeah. right yeah. okay no two-thirds of the country does not look like verse two or one five to nine most of our country looks like 10 to 16 of chapter one so we're not a christian country so a church is always countercultural. How does a local church identify these men? How do we know if these older men are like this? I wrote down one thing, but you may have other. I don't want to give you what I... How would we identify these guys? Watch them, okay? Actions? Okay. So you think it will take some time. Mm. It's like people that come that are new, you're like, oh yeah, these are the guys. Like, eh. no. okay, I'm just seeing Ted shaking no, right? 
Anything else come to mind? It takes time, attention. I wrote down verse 16. Verse 16. For us to know God by their works. Yeah. So denying God by their works. So how about someone who's opposite that? They are promoting God by their works. Obedient. Look, look at the end of verse 16. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. So the, the man of God is equipped for every good work in yeah. 2 Timothy 3, 17. So instead of being detestable and disobedient, they are honorable, dignified, and they are obedient. Whatever God says in his word, they're doing it. Even if they, it's against their culture, against their nature. I would also add to this. Godly men are identified with close relationships. If someone doesn't get close to older men, they don't really know them. So watching someone is good. Observing someone is good. But getting to know them, seeing how they interact, talking to coworkers, if they are dignified at work, talking to other people around him in a non-church environment and getting to know this person over time, close relationships are essential for identifying these men. In my new members class, I mentioned close relationships as for everybody in church. You're joining this church and we're gonna to try to build close relationship with you. If you don't want that kind of church, there are many other churches who won't require that. But if you're coming here, we're gonna to try to build a close relationship with you. If you resist it, you're not gonna, this is not part of our culture here as a church, but trying to establish a culture where this is counter-cultural. And we have to identify these men. So final thing, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, how do these older men, and you may have older men that you're, many of you are older now, but if you had influenced um, by older godly men, and this description sounds like them, okay? What about, or how did they influence you? We mentioned, we maybe talked about this at the, at the beginning, but how did they influence your faith, love, and steadfastness? Mentored. Mentored, okay. Mm -hmm. So they got to know you, you got to know them. Okay. Copy. Words of encouragement. I know when Bob was leading our Sunday school ministry, he'd send us a card every year at the end of the year thanking us for our service. Right. That encouragement that he would always give us. So encouragement to keep yeah. trusting, keep loving, keep enduring. Okay, good. And that thankfulness. Anything else? Those who are ladies want to follow godly leaders. Now we're in a, and we've been influenced in our culture by feminism, mm -hmm. but God designed male and female differently. He designed men to take the lead and to lead by example. And when it comes to these type of godly leaders, are these type of godly leaders easier to follow, ladies? God made you that way. God redeemed you to, to want someone, a godly man, men in your life to say, I 
Okay, there's a lot of chaos and confusion out there and power struggles in our culture. But when it comes to godly men, I want to follow that. So you men, okay, you got in the past, the ladies are speaking. You godly men here, uh, how, how have godly men influenced you? And uh, some of you are being discipled, have been discipled, and think back some of some of you were discipled as a newer believer in your 20s or 30s, 50s. What uh, what is it about a godly man has has uh, influenced you? Want to be more like him. Mm-hmm. They are always there in a time of need. Be present, always there in a time of need. Any other men here? My dad influenced me to always tell the truth. Like he would be deathly honest <laughs> to the point where he would lose money uh, on his business if it meant telling the truth. And yeah. would never lie for somebody. And he's doing taxes and he would not cheat on anybody's taxes. Yeah. Go somewhere else. I'm not going to cheat on your taxes. Instilled in that in in us boys. So many of the other men here, what influenced you? Just the steadfastness in the, the word of God. They just keep pointing you right back to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, when you're they're teaching or or you're questioning and it's always oh what was God to say about that you know always bringing it right back to God you're right back to God his word <laughs> yeah so bob just said uh your walk talks much louder uh, than your talk and uh, when he came to grace it was obvious that the he uh, took the leadership the godly people here were godly character it was obvious so all right i'm gonna stop here we'll pick up in for the quarter women next week